0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Apparently wanting to avoid a lengthy court case, Uber has settled with Waymo in their battle over potential use of trade secrets by Uber. The value of the settlement is approximately $245 million. Part of the reason for the settlement involved text messages sent between a number of executives which may have been damning towards Uber. You may remember that this started more than a year ago when accusations began of Uber using trade secrets for its self-driving car technology. Then, after Uber acquired auto, reports of thousands of Google files being brought by founder Anthony Lewandowski to his new company began to surface. To react to the decision we are joined on the phone by John Paul McDuffie management professor here at the Wharton School and also director of the program on vehicle and mobility innovation at the Mac Institute here at the Wharton School and also joined by Eric Goldman who's a law professor at the at Santa Clara University and he's also director of the high tech law institute at that school as well. John Paul Eric, great to have you with us today. Thank you both. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh your your reaction to this settlement news. Eric, start with you.
0: Well, most cases settle, so it wasn't super surprising, but the timing of the settlement was surprising because the parties had already gone uh sent so much money to get into trial. So um, it was a sign, perhaps, of um, some very rapid decision-making about how the trial was going, that they were finally able to settle. Um, and the timing of that uh, certainly took everyone's breath away.
1: John Paul?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, with all the buildup and starting to see the prominent figures on both sides appearing in court, it looked like they were settling in for, you know, a lengthy trial and, and settlement maybe eventually, but after a lot more came out in court. And so I was surprised, too.
1: Eric, for the the people that that haven't been following this closely, in terms of this case, what were the trade secrets that were really considered to be in violation here? And I guess to a degree, how is is a trade secret being defined?
0: Uh, A trade secret is any information that uh, um, derives value for a company because of its secrecy. It can be something really big and strategic, like the secret sauce of Google's search engine algorithm. Or it can be really tiny and minor, some uh, little differential way that a company knows how to do something that its competitors don't know. Um, and we don't have a really good sense about the trade secrets issue here because so much of the case was put under seal. And so, for example, at the trial, um, all the discussions about the details of the trade secrets were uh kept um in a um, uh secret proceeding. Uh the reporters were kicked out of the room. Um, So uh, we know that there were 14,000 files that moved from um, uh, Waymo's uh, servers into Lewandowski's possession, but we don't have a full sense of clarity about exactly what those trade secrets were and and whether they even qualified as a trade secret.
1: And and again, uh, you mentioned about the court being uh, closed to to reporters in this case. It realistically had to be because of the assertion that these were trade secrets. If there had been any other assertion, then that takes a little bit of the... uh, of the uh, of the ability of Waymo to really bring a case forward.
0: Well, yeah. So, for example, there were some uh, patents that were alleged in the initial uh filings by Waymo and we know exactly what those patents uh would would cover because they were uh attached to uh the complaint. We know exactly what uh they say. Uh whereas with secrets, we can get some general senses about the issues. So much of the case focused on LIDAR, for example, and yep. the ways of trying to uh automatically see where the car is and what's around it. Um but the specifics of those uh details matter and you can't litigate a trade secret in public, um, or else it would lose its secrecy.
1: 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Joined on the phone by Eric Goldman of Santa Clara University, John Paul McDuffie right here of the Wharton School, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. John Paul this is it's a conversation we've had before but I think it bears repeating is that to a degree this does go back to the culture seemingly within Uber uh during the time of having Travis Kalanick as the CEO uh, of that company.
2: Yes uh you know aggressive move after aggressive move uh and a belief that being first was essential that the move to self-driving uh cars for Uber was a uh, You know, it was an existential threat if someone else got to that before them. So, you know, one of the earlier moves in this space was that Uber poached away a lot of um, artificial intelligence, AI uh, faculty, and scientists from Carnegie Mellon and set up its own unit to work on these things uh, outside of Pittsburgh. And everyone thought that was going to be their big move. They would attract talent to that. But apparently... Uh, Travis Kalanick thought it was moving too slowly, and he started talking with uh, Anthony Lewandowski. And then, you know, uh, of course, the the technology in question, here's LiDAR, but the uh, the accusation of uh, doing this in a sneaky way I- includes uh, conversations with Lewandowski that preceded his departure from Google, the creation of Otto, uh, Lewandowski's own company, when he left Google, and then Uber buys auto almost immediately, and that all this was yeah. a plan. And uh, and that's where some of the accusation as well, of course, the evidence of Lewandowski taking those 14,000 files.
1: And the uh, the other part to it, Eric, is also uh, it, it seems to be the importance of these text messages and, and how they play in that, the conversation back and forth, and, and also seemingly this understanding uh, of deleting Techs, you know, not leaving a trail uh, for anybody to be able to connect any potential dots in the future.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. uh, There were a lot of questions about what happened uh, with Lewandowski uh, at his uh, automoto and then as uh, he dealt with um, uh, Uber. And we could only get a partial view of that because of the fact that uh, many of the conversations were scrubbed in a variety of different ways. Um, And uh, using that kind of scrubbing technology has now become, I think, uh, well understood among business people because of of the fact that uh, their uh, conversations are going to be discoverable in litigation in the future. Um, But it also, especially in a company like Uber that's had so many uh, high-profile problems, it leaves a lot of doubt in everyone's mind, well, what is those say, we, our mind starts racing to the worst uh, scenarios.
1: What's what I find interesting, John Paul, is the fact that, uh, to a degree, there's a bit of irony here in that uh, Travis Kalanick obviously was was at the heart of a lot of what was going on here. Yet he he has walked away with a, obviously a very nice sum of money, and still has, and uh, from what I understand, a little bit uh, of an investment in Uber moving forward. And to a degree, I guess he walks away with a little bit of this settlement as well. Correct.
2: Uh, I mean, sure, Travis still has a uh, uh, awful lot of influence uh, within Uber and you do hear the new CEO talking about you know telling Travis that he's got to back off and, and give him some, some room. Uh, but uh, you know, I think even in this settlement, there is likely some differences of view between Travis and, uh, and the board and the new CEO because uh, Travis says, still says, we did nothing wrong, and the new CEO is willing to say, he, he won't say anything about Lewandowski, and, and of course Lewandowski's was going to take the fifth, so there wouldn't have been testimony from him. But he says, well, maybe in the transfer of employees from Google to Uber via auto, um, some things weren't as carefully done as they, as they might have been. So it's almost to deflect from the big charge to the small charge, say, wasn't everything we'd like it to be. So let's uh, settle, get this behind us. It allows Uber and the board and the new leadership to say, uh, this is over. Let's look forward to an IP maybe in 2019.
1: Eric, your comments?
0: Uh, Yeah, from my perspective, um, it made total sense that Uber wanted to move on uh, from uh, this case. Um, But notice that the, the, the case has uh, caused a number of casualties with an Uber. Obviously, uh, Lewandowski gets ousted, uh, Kalanick is gone, although it's unclear how, what role this particular case played in his departure. Um, it certainly uh, didn't help that, uh, that one of the key acquisitions of the company uh, was exploding. Um, and for me, a lot of the questions remain about uh, what is the future for Uber's uh, uh, autonomous vehicle program? Um, did this litigation uh, hinder it in any way or leave it... Uh, um, uh, not as uh, a robust and uh, progressive as uh, everyone had dreamed. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of consequences for Uber and, and even for uh, Kalanick. Um, you know, Obviously, he got kicked out of the company that, that he was so closely identified with.
1: But when he makes the assertion that your people aren't your IP... Uh, that kind of brings in a gray area, I think, to a degree, uh, that something that uh, looks like it needs to be addressed on, on a more wide basis is that if you have somebody that obviously has worked for a company for a long period of time and has done a lot of research, it's, it's impossible for that person to basically do a data dump out of their head and not n- remember certain things that they, are, uh, that they have done as they move to a new company.
0: A hundred percent agree, and I'm, I hope we'll talk more about this, because I think this is really a, a crucial uh, shadow that the ca- case uh, casts over um, uh, employee mobility generally. Um, and uh, in California, we have a very strong set of uh, laws to protect the mobility of employees. It gets colored here by the fact that Lewandowski took 14,000 files. So if he had just walked out the door uh, from uh, Waymo, hands over uh, his keys, uh, maybe metaphorically in this case, um, and uh, then uh, takes his brain with him, this case looks very different or probably doesn't get filed. Um, So it's a little hard to distinguish that statement that the people are not IP when here it was both people and a big chunk of files that made the move.
1: John Paul?
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh you know the, the the red flag or the thing that really uh, sprung this thing into motion was when a supplier showed some email uh, attachments of some plans for a lidar design. Yeah. That's the laser-based radar. Uh and asked the supplier to bid on it and the supplier recognized it as looking very much like, maybe identical to what Waymo was working on, and so that then is a lot different from just the knowledge in an employee's head. If you've got exact blueprints of a competitor's uh, that a competitor developed, and you're taking it out and trying to develop it. So, you know, Uber always claimed that no, no, no. You know, this is a fast-moving technology area. We're doing our own stuff. That was that was coincidental. But there was this cloud of suspicion around just about everything Uber said, as, as Eric mentioned, not just because of this case, because of other cases. And, um, you know, I mean, LiDAR is a crucial technology. Uh, it's not only a matter of getting it to work, but how it works, how much it costs, how big it is. And uh, Waymo says, you know, we were headed with our own design that was going to be cheaper and smaller and was going to keep us in a technical lead. And so if Uber steals our design, that's a big deal. 844-942-7866
1: 844-942-7866 is the number. If you would like to join in, we're talking about the Uber Waymo settlement, uh, which just happened several days ago. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So Eric, when you when you think about this this problem in general, how do you think it needs to be addressed moving forward? Because, uh, I mean, seemingly there are there are numerous situations where you can have this exact type of situation really play out. And it's not necessarily in the tech field, but it could be a variety of different fields in business right now.
0: I'm sorry, the problem being uh, employee mobility or something
1: else? And and the, 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 the ideas that the employee has, you know, that they may be working on with one company and how that may impact another company.
0: Yeah, The legal rules are generally pretty clear. Um, the general knowledge of the employee are, cannot be restricted or owned by uh, the employer, but the specific knowledge that rises to a trade secret can. And so applying that when we're dealing with documents becomes a little bit easier. We can run the document through a classifier and say that document is general knowledge, that document is uh, a proprietary information, um, and cleave the world uh, into two buckets relatively cleanly. When when information's in an employee's head, we don't have any good solution for cleaving between the general knowledge that's free to take and the proprietary knowledge that's not free to take. and Um, And in general, I think the world ends up being a better place if we err on the side of not trying to restrict employees from moving. Um, So for example in California we have a law that says that we can't impose non-compete restrictions on employees. Um, It's just a categorical ban. They're free to move without the restrictions of contract. We also have a a rule that generally makes it impossible to um, uh, say that we know that employees are going to disclose what's in their head at their next job and that means that we can just sideline them for a period of time because there's no way for them to cleave that information in that their head. Uh, that's called the Inevitable Disclosure Doctrine. California disfavors it as well. And I think that that's been a, a key part of California's success is l- allowing and encouraging employee mobility, even though they have information in their head that we can't easily classify.
1: Uh, go ahead, John-Paul. Yeah,
2: I mean, the the interesting thing here is that every state has different laws on this and uh... many have had a non-compete clause to require a period of time before somebody could go to work for a competitor to try to deal with that uh... disclosure problem but there have been researchers who have looked closely at it and you know it's it's, in a way you've got fifty different states and they're all implementing these laws at different times with slightly different versions um... one researcher i'm aware of matt marks who was at m i t uh, found that there's just less innovative activity in the form of patenting, and some other indicators of innovative activity in the states that put these restrictions on. So, and you know, uh, Silicon Valley, of course, is what we all look to as the the, the leader in the world in uh, pioneering new technologies. And and as Eric said, Eric, California has said we will not um, uh, allow these kinds of restrictions. So I think the 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 evidence is on the side of uh, of airing. Or allowing mobility uh, as the priority.
1: Do you think, Eric, because of of, of the California law, and, and I guess to agree, it plays out from what you and John Paul have both said that this is really an issue that that is is handled at the state level and not necessarily at, at a higher level at this point. Correct.
0: Uh, yes, although um, there, uh, the uh, Congress recently enacted a law, the Defend Trade Secrets Act, which created a. Um, a federal uh, Standard for Trade Secrets uh, just passed in uh, uh, 2016, so it's relatively recent um, that uh, we got this new law, and it does talk a little bit about the um, uh, inability to impose an injunction um, on employee mobility because of what they know in their head. Um, right. So there was a small step in that direction. There have been a number of uh, proposals at the federal level to ban non-compete agreements um, in various forms, not the strong form like California has, but something maybe a little less uh, strong. Um, and I personally favor those, and I'm, I'm always a little frustrated uh, when I see uh, where Congress is actually saying it's time. This is something that would, I think, be low-hanging fruit, that we could get enacted with, I hope, relatively little controversy, and would it pay off potentially enormous benefits for uh, everyone in our country.
1: But d- does there then become a, the, the issue of the impact of a lot of these companies and the influence that they have with our various leaders, whether it be at the state level or the federal level, who obviously... I think in many cases would want to, you know, to to uh, prevent the movement of employees, especially where there was some some level of technology or 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 trade secret that may be involved in the case.
0: yeah, and to be clear, right? Many employers uh, do use uh, non-compete agreements, and uh, it has two benefits. One, it keeps their key employees in place. But second, in effect, it's a way of depressing wages by reducing the competition for labor. Um, so it is just a way of actually restricting the 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 efficiency of the labor market. Now, for many big employers, they're both re- trying to keep their key employees, but they're also trying to hire the best talent in the marketplace. Right. So. Uh, non-compete agreements, uh, when they're enforceable, set up a thicket that make it just hard for even the big employers to get the talent that they want. So I, I'd like to think that big employers can recognize that for all the benefits they get by, by keeping their employees uh, under their wing, they lose out by being able to get the best employees onto
1: their team. John Paul?
2: Yeah, I mean – It's not hard to understand why the big employers in the past have favored these non-competes, but I think, as Eric said, when you're competing ferociously for talent, then uh, the fact that you're keeping people, you know, blocking people from leaving your firm also makes it harder for you to hire in some of the new talent you want. And I would say the the way of thinking about um, talent and skill in most big American corporations has really shifted... Uh, steadily in the direction of uh, valuing the outside hire who has exactly some new and incredibly valuable skill as opposed to developing people and those skills through an internal career over a long period of time. So with that shift, I think I would expect at least that most large companies would begin to see the logic that California has been applying and maybe back away to opposing this kind of federal law.
1: Do you think there's an impact on Uber moving forward uh, because uh, of this, John Paul?
2: Well, you know, it's, it's it's of course, it's very hard to tell without knowing some of the technical details, but right. uh, I do believe that LiDAR is a crucial um, area of competition and that uh, Waymo may have had some real advantages over some of the other competing technologies. And, you know, Uber doesn't have to develop it themselves because there's all kinds of suppliers Working on it. Suppliers. I mean, Bellodyne is a lidar maker that was bought by Ford. But there's there's a French supplier. There's Mobileye, which was bought by Intel. There's all kinds of people working on this technology, and Uber could get it from other places as well as building their own. But you know, it it appears that an early discussion uh, of an earlier settlement would have paid Waymo more money, yeah. but would have given Uber a little bit more flexibility around using some of this disputed body of knowledge. And I don't know whether Waymo said no to that or whether the board decided, you know, hey, we don't want a settlement which comes out looking like we still could um, you know, be accused of uh exceeding the boundaries of what was agreed. So the the settlement that was reached is is very strict, I think, on uh no we, there will be scrutiny of Uber to make sure that they Follow their promise not to use any of of waymo 's technology
1: but the, eric the, the the fact that the, there was a, one of the terms that uh, i 've seen in a in a couple of articles surrounding the settlement involves the term cheat codes and you know from a technical standpoint that 's one thing, but when you 're talking about a, a situation where you had a settlement, a relatively quick settlement. And th- this terminology is being used. Uh, this does obviously not sit well in terms of the view of Uber, not from a technical uh, perspective of them moving forward, but them as a business and, and potentially, I would think, maybe an investment possibility.
0: I think Uber has shot itself in the foot so many times, it's hard to tell where this particular issue uh, fits in the scale of problems that they face. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Uber has a lot of trust building to do, um, and I'm guessing that this will not be their uh, in their top 10 priorities of areas where they have to do that. Um, I do want to reinforce uh, just about um, the going forward question, um, that uh, the settlement terms have been are confidential, but there was a disclosure that Uber has agreed to an audit um, right. of its uh, technology. And I think that's pretty interesting um, because, Uh, that increases the likelihood that Waymo will uh, feel confident that Uber's not crossing any uh, uh, IP lines in the future. And it's also just a nuisance for Uber. Adds extra hassle to their the work that they're doing, and so I think there is going to be a little bit of an ongoing drag due to not only the promises that Uber made, but the fact that there's going to be someone who's actually going to have the power to enforce them and to double check Uber's behavior. Um, it's like having a you know a, a cop on the beat. Um, it's just going to slow things down and make people uh, stick to the speed limit a little more carefully.
1: Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, John Paul. All the best. Sure. Yeah. Thank you.